Um, let's see. There's every search phrase I ever typed into Amazon. Yeah, every single one. Uh, books that I've read on my Kindle, even where I stopped in a book and for how long. Of course, there's a listing of every single thing that I ever purchased on Amazon and everything I ever returned to Amazon. There are also my chats with Amazon's customer service reps. So glad I've always been nice. Then there's lots of zip files, lots and lots of zip files that typically open as CSV files. You use Microsoft Excel to see those. And a lot of times when I opened them up, I had no idea what all these various numbers meant. And of course, every Alexa recording too, like this one. I'm not sure why Alexa recorded it. So we're going to put hard money down. That must have been when I was buying a piece of real estate or something. Or this one. You're pretty tied how much I can like I can fit in the volume down I'm in love. With Amazon and the word 11, it sounds like a really bad dream. Um, I'm talking about my Amazon data file. Wow. And if you shop on Amazon, you have one of these massive data files too. As a matter of fact, if you've ever used Amazon, you also have a public profile. A lot of people don't know that. Anyone in the world can see your comments and ratings that you leave on the various products that you purchased and your wish list. Well, let me tell you all this. I ran across a fabulous report on Reuters about Amazon and how it has these various data collection policies and really how they're influencing lawmakers and policies on a state-by-state level and also on a national level. I bet you never really gave that much thought, right? Well, me neither, until I read this extensive report. Well, coming up, oh, we're so lucky. We're going to be speaking to a few of the reporters from Reuters about their investigations. You're going to be shocked, I guarantee it, so stay right where you are. So I was going through the internet and I ran across this story on Reuters. Amazon wages a secret war on Americans' privacy, the documents show. Wow. Okay. This reporting is long. It's over 20 pages when you print it out. And I actually got rid of all the photos when I did that. And it was written by Jeffrey Dastin and Chris Kirkham. And they're joining us right now for Kim Commando Explains. So that this way we could talk about what they call Amazon wages a secret war on on Americans' privacy. And that's what the documents are showing. And so we all have to start from the beginning, okay, guys, that Amazon is in the data collection business, but they sell a whole bunch of products along the way, right? And one of their biggest products right now that everybody's talking about is the Amazon Echo. And it is a pretty incredible device, right? I mean, you can ask Alexa just about anything, and she can do anything from tell you how many ounces are in a quart to play your favorite music, to answer their questions, give you your commute, the weather. And what's really interesting is that Alexa will record other things. And I will have to tell you that I also, aside from doing radio, as I write for USA Today, and I have for, oh, I don't know, maybe 15, 16 years now. And whenever I write about Amazon, that Alexa is always listening, I always hear from their PR folks. And the guy always says the same thing. Alexa's not always listening. She's only listening for the wake word, (laughs) of which I'm like, okay, um, that means that she's always listening. But with these Amazon Echo devices, uh, you guys astutely said it, that it's almost a lost leader, isn't it, for them? Because they're not making a lot of money off the hardware, but they're making a lot of money as a sideline to the device. Right. So Jeff Bezos, Amazon's founder, and until recently its CEO, even testified before Congress as saying that 
the company at times sells these echo devices at a loss and the reason or not necessarily the reason for that but but the the consequence of that is that many consumers have purchased these devices millions of, of people have them in their homes and it is amazon's way of becoming ubiquitous in customers lives the echo or alexa the voice aid on the echo is there to answer any command and if you tell it to reorder toilet paper for you at, at any instant. And it is ubiquitous because you forget that it's actually there. And in some instances, the Echo can be a phenomenal device. Like, for example, they now have this care hub that if you have some elderly members of your family, you can set it up so that you get alerted if they don't get up, if they don't take their pills, if they fall, and they can ask Alexa for help. But then it becomes what exactly is Alexa recording? And in your article, you guys, you gave a, a link where you could download some of um, some of your data that's available to Amazon. Boy, oh my gosh, I was overwhelmed. <laughs> were you guys too? I think we were, uh, I mean, it was, it was just kind of, it was interesting how much, sort of the wide variety of data you get back and uh, kind of <laughs> just the number of, uh, you know, kind of zip files in a bunch of different categories. I mean, Alexa is kind of just just one, one of them, them but uh, there's a lot of a lot of stuff about your your buying habits and uh, you know various inferences that may have been made about you based on uh, how frequently you buy certain items. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it was uh, kind of a you know, I think I think for a typical consumer, uh, getting back this data. Um, you know, it's a lot to go through. There are, um, you know, kind of, I, I don't know, I think we, we found, you know, dozens of zip files. And within those zip files, there were, um, you know, dozens of additional Excel files that had, um, you know, some material that, you know, you couldn't really understand. Make sense of. Yeah, I was like, um, I was looking, I'm like going, okay, this is part of some database. And I'm sure that's a key to the database, but I have no idea what this number means. Okay. And and you're right. I mean, it's zip file after zip file that goes to a CSV file that opens in Excel. And then finally, you're like, okay, I don't really know what I'm looking at. But the thing that I did find interesting, this wasn't the first time, is that when you start looking at Alexa's recordings, and how many times that she, how many times that it was that she was recording things that maybe you didn't necessarily ask her, like I had some instances where um, I was buying a commercial office building, and Alexa had recorded something to uh, something along the lines of me saying to my husband, uh, I think that offer is way too high and we shouldn't even participate. We shouldn't even acknowledge that they even want to counter at that price. But that was in my Alexa recordings. And so you have all this data that's being accumulated. And really, there's no gatekeeper right now as far as where the data is going, who it's really going to how it's being collected, what it's being used for. Is it going into another type of database? And how is that information being stored? And how is it being exploited? Because there's a lot of money in data, as we all know. And that's where I found your story to be especially enlightening, because you're really talking about something that I think nobody really even knows about, is that Amazon is really participating in a political level in order to make this data collection and distribution possible. 
Well, that was one of the things I think we, uh, you know, initially found as we started digging into this was that, um, you know, really sort of obviously as Alexa has uh, grown in popularity um, over the last few years, uh, you, you had lawmakers um, kind of in states across the country sort of starting to think about, you, you know, essentially we are we are bringing this is a technology that brings sort of recording devices into people's homes. And I think people were kind of some of these lawmakers were trying to get kind of get their arms around this and say, well, what exactly, you know, are we telling consumers about this data? What, what are we, you know, what sort of notification are we giving? What kind of consent are we are we trying to get from them? And I think that is where, you know, sort of our reporting started was we, we started to see, um, you know, we started to see based on, you know, sort of uh, documents that we had and, and, you know, other interviews that um, Amazon was sort of proceeding with this campaign to, to sort of um, to quash a lot of these uh, bills around the country that would essentially you know, bring more transparency to this process of voice recordings. And, and you know, you know, I, I think they argued, obviously, that, um, you know, that these bills were poorly crafted and that, you know, perhaps the lawmakers didn't understand their technology. But um, really, I think at the at the root of all of this was was basically kind of uh, Questions of transparency, notification to consumers, and then consent for consumers. Basically, do you need to have consumers sort of opt in to having their voice recordings stored? You know, and I, I think um, that's kind of the the at the root of a lot of these uh, political and regulatory debates around uh, these uh, voice recording de- devices like Alexa. Well, and that is interesting because by just buying it or installing it, a lot of times you opt in. I mean just a little bit off topic, is the Amazon sidewalk, right? I mean, you buy an Echo device and you're automatically opted in to sharing your internet connection. Not a lot, just a little tiny bit with your neighbors so that this way Amazon could create a mesh network, which is just genius on their part. Phenomenal engineering and marketing thoughts is that they're able to have an entire network inside communities without laying one fiber line down. It's just you know, letting we buy the products and we create the network so that someday, you know, they'll be able to actually get drones to deliver all this stuff. But getting back to the transparency, do you think that was the basis of all this? So I would say among the most interesting finds in the documents that we reviewed was a goal that showed this this was not just a, a small team at Amazon interested in privacy legislation. This went straight to the top. So this was senior vice president Jake Harney, the former press secretary to President Obama, the former communications director to President Biden. And he was the primary owner of a goal to prevent any legislation in the US or Europe from impeding the growth of Alexa devices. So it wasn't only, of course, that there was concern about privacy standards that would make consumers more aware, I guess, of the data collected on them, but it also was concerned that this this new hit product and this new category of computing that Amazon was pioneering of, of voice-controlled interfaces, voice-controlled speakers, that that would have been stymied by legislation. So the company at the top had a campaign essentially to prevent that from happening. And what year was this? So this goal was for calendar year 2017, if I'm not mistaken. 
but what we saw was that its lobbying around privacy legislation has continued through to the present. So there was a bill that Chris actually was one of the ones he was alluding to in California this year that all it would do was just give more transparency to consumers of these smart speakers. It, it just would say, you know, if, if you want your data to be shared with third parties or be used to improve a device's technology, you just have to consent to that. And so that is a very fresh and ongoing legislative battle in California. And it's one where Amazon lobbied heavily against it with some interesting tactics and essentially helped defeat. You know, when we come right back, we're going to talk about these tactics. So stay right where you are here with Kim Commandos. Hey, welcome back to Kim Commando Explains. We're in conversation with Jeffrey Destin and Chris Kirkham, and they did such a phenomenal report about how Amazon has this war on privacy and what's going on with it. And we're going to tell you how you can read the entire report at the end of this podcast. But um, you were just talking about the California legislation. What was so unique about it? Because, you know, California always has these unique laws, right? Definitely. So California... Even Amazon acknowledges this in its own documents. It's a bellwether state. It's the biggest state in the country, and it often legislates on issues at the state level before others. And so the company and others, of course, view it as presaging what's to come in the regulatory world. So California in the United States had the first privacy standard, you know, Data Protection Act covering all manner of information that companies collect on consumers uh, and it was poised to become or trying to become, through some legislators' efforts, the first to regulate smart speaker devices and require that a consumer has to consent before handing over their voice data to third parties and, and so forth uh, through these Alexa devices or Apple HomePod and so forth. Okay, so and, and that's all wonderful. But what about the tactics? What were the strategies? How did they... How did the, the top brass in Amazon and this guy, Jay Carney, actually pull this off? So Amazon took a very novel approach to this California bill this year, which is that it argued to lawmakers that the bill would harm people with disabilities. That wow. it would <laughs> Right. So uh, if, if, if we legislate in California that you must provide consent before a device can share information to third parties, that's going to result in devices not collecting as much data for them, like all, all likelihood and therefore not working as well. And the group or an important group of stakeholders that would lose out on this would be people with disabilities who use Alexa or similar devices to live their lives independently. And um, what was interesting about this was that there was a person who is an advocate for people with disabilities who suffers from a disability himself who testified before a key committee in the California Assembly and explained how this bill would hurt people like him. But he never disclosed at the time that he was working with Amazon. And um, it would be months after the fact that it was clear Amazon actually paid his employer $30,000 to influence legislative action in California. Jeez. You know, um, um, 
it's hard to believe that this type of stuff actually happens. I mean, I would expect this in a movie, right? But I guess when you're talking about billions of dollars at stake for technologies that will uh, get a hold of the future, and that's really where these Amazon Echo devices are now. I mean, it's just a it's just the semblance of what it will be in three to five years. Um, what about legislation in other states? Did they follow California? Is it going in parallel, or are some states saying that no, it's just not a big deal? Uh, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, so when you when you look at kind of the evolution of this, um, you know, so the California bill is is kind of the more the most among the more recent uh, efforts, um, sort of that Amazon has been active on. But um, early on, um, sort of pretty soon after Alexa was. Uh, you know, was introduced to the market. Uh, Washington State was looking at a bill. Washington, being Amazon's home state, where its headquarters in Seattle is, uh, they introduced a bill around uh, biometrics that is sort of looking at, um, you know, anything from sort of facial scans to fingerprints to uh, you know voice data as well. Sure. And um, so early on, there, there was sort of an effort there to to regulate this, and uh, Amazon um, Amazon you know, in that case was a bit more, uh, I guess, direct and sort of, well, they were direct and indirect in sort of their opposition because they, they never publicly opposed, uh, this bill, but sort of, uh, behind the scenes, we got, um, you know, public records, uh, correspondence, um, you know, between lobbyists and the lawmakers who had sponsored this legislation, you know, and in that case, we found um, that, you know, though they were taking no public position on the bill and never, you know, said anything in public hearings opposing it, um, behind the scenes, their lobbyists were sort of, uh, you know, really working to sort of insert alternative language that uh, Amazon um, Amazon preferred for the bill, which um, effectively cut the uh, Alexa devices out of the regulation. So um, voice recordings were essentially exempted from from this bill. Um, and it was something that, you know, you know, until we really sort of saw those those emails, um, no one in the public would have really known that uh, Amazon had been involved um, in that battle. Uh, and then more recently uh, this year, there was um, sort of so I think kind of from our reporting, we, we sort of learned that Amazon's lobbying strategy kind of evolved. And you know, through the years, um, you know, as as states like as laws like the the California privacy law sort of came into effect, and you know, I think consumers started becoming more aware of some of these privacy issues. Um, you know, so our our reporting showed that that Amazon sort of kind of shifted its strategy, and and they, they really sort of weren't able to just sort of outright oppose bills and try to kill them anymore because you know, kind of the politics were shifting. And so uh, Virginia was a really interesting example that we we came across that, that's recent where in, in, in the case of Virginia, they actually um, sort of proposed their own bill and, and handed it to a legislator there. And, and in this case, they were sort of able to say, you know, that they were in support of a privacy bill, um, but sort of, you know, as, as we learned, uh, a lot of, a, a, there were a lot of provisions in this bill that, um, you know, that consumer advocates saw as, as very weak. And, um, and and Jeffrey, I think, can add a little bit more on sort of uh, some of the... But just to, just, just to make it clear, it was that Amazon wrote the language for this, right? A, an Amazon lobbyist handed the text of the bill to a lawmaker in Virginia who then introduced it, and that was essentially the starting point for, for the bill. Well, and isn't, isn't Amazon building their whole big headquarters down in Virginia too, right? 
That's right. So that was that was sort of an interesting uh, angle of this was was this was this was really kind of a you know kind of a, a long play that Amazon had made. They had really kind of cultivated a lot of goodwill in the state of Virginia, um, you know, in the years leading up to this this bill being introduced. Um, so you know, Virginia is a very important uh, sort of strategic center. There's obviously <laughs> the entire government infrastructure, including, uh, you know, defense and intelligence agencies are there. Uh, Amazon has a lot of uh, Amazon Web Services. Its cloud computing unit has a lot of contracts uh, with these agencies. And there's an enormous sort of data infrastructure in Northern Virginia. And so um, in the years leading up to uh, this privacy bill that was passed earlier this year, uh, you know, Amazon really ramped up its uh, political donations in Virginia. Um, You know, and I think you know, that obviously, uh, and, and their selection of the headquarters in this sort of HQ2 um, sweepstakes uh, uh, three years ago um, also, you know, certainly helped Virginia. And, you know, I think some of our reporting showed that Virginia was, Virginia's got just, it's a bit of a different kind of state than California. It's, it's uh, you know, it's been under Democrat it was under democratic control up until recently, but um, it was a very generally business-friendly uh, legislature there. And uh, you know, campaign donations go a long way. There's no limits on campaign contributions in Virginia. Wow. I didn't and know that. So, yeah, so um, that was you know, some, something we learned. So, um, so, so, I think in general, Amazon. Uh, you know, I think I think in Virginia, politicians were very interested in sort of turning Virginia into sort of a, a tech hub and wanting to attract business there. And so um, unlike California, where I think there was a bit more skepticism in the legislature uh, toward tech companies and, you know, a bit more appetite to regulate them uh, in Virginia, it was, it was a bit more of an economic development uh, play that Amazon was making there. So we, so of course, if you're in charge of Amazon, you have a totally different outlook on what's going on with the data and the privacy and the biometrics and the recordings. And of course, they're always going to say, listen, we only keep the recordings so that we can make our Alexa even more accurate for you. But what does Amazon say? Right. Amazon says that it cares deeply about customers' privacy, that it can't succeed without customer trust. And therefore, since customers care about privacy, it's going to care about privacy as well. The company's view is that it works to add privacy into the design of its devices. It gives you features to let you delete recordings. It tells you when it's recording through a blue ring around the Echo device, for instance. And that as far as lobbying goes, it opposes bad bills, poorly crafted bills on the state level in particular. It doesn't want a patchwork. And then at the federal level, it wants some data protection law that applies to all companies. The thing is, of course, that there is a, a question about what is a bad bill, what is what is good for consumers and what's not. And one very quick example of, the, of this that manifests often is that Amazon and other tech companies are against what's called a private right of action. They don't want consumers to be able to sue over violations of a privacy law that gets enacted. By contrast, consumer advocates really want this. They they think that attorneys general don't have the resources often to mm, go after don't. a tech company mm, for some privacy violation and therefore let's empower consumers to do that. 
And there is a genuine debate over whether that's right or wrong. But that would be an example where Amazon would oppose a bill and say this is a poorly crafted bill that consumer advocates instead would embrace. And that's a really good point. And we need to take a quick break to say some thank you to our sponsors. And when we come right back here, we're going to talk more about the tactics, more about the strategies, and more about what it means to you as an Amazon customer, as a consumer. And also, we're going to tell you how you can get a copy of all the data that Amazon has collected about you. Uh, With a spoiler alert, it's a lot. Hey, welcome back to Kim Commando Explains. We are having this fabulous conversation about Amazon. If you bought one thing on Amazon, I guarantee you there's a record of it somewhere in some big database. Uh, Jeffrey Dastin and Chris Kirkham are some really wonderful writers, researchers, reporters uh, for Reuters. And we were just talking about Virginia. And let's just, let's take it down just a few notches. What do you think, in your opinion, is Amazon's ultimate goal in the the recording devices, in the lobbyists, and the legislation? What is it exactly that if you were Jeff Bezos' right-hand person, what do you think that he'd say or you guys would be talking about, like, this is why we need to do this? Opinions aside, I would say that the company, like other tech firms, depends on data Data underpins everything they do. It makes their products better. It gives Amazon intelligence on what other products to develop. And so there has been a concern at Amazon and at other similar companies about regulating that and stopping this important flow of information that underpins their business. Which is because they think regulation will stifle innovation, right? And then with innovation, we won't have all these great strides that we have in technology. But at the core, it's a whole bunch of data that's being collected. I think, and a lot of people don't even realize that it's happening. That's true. I would say when we, as Reuters reporters, requested our data, something that struck us was, for instance, the information the Kindle e-readers collect about us. So every time a consumer turns a page, every time a consumer highlights something, Every time a consumer looks up a word, Amazon logs that and records information down to the millisecond about our reading habits. And how long we stay there. And if we look a word up and if we move forward, or it's it's really remarkable. You spent quite a bit of time in your reporting about the watering the flowers and the very important policymakers. Um, Can you give us a quick overview of that? So Amazon had this idea as far back as 2014 that it needed allies in key legislatures and and in Congress. And so it created this project called Watering the Flowers that executives such as Jake Carney would later expand that basically said, let's let's water the flowers. Let's let's find some allies and create what they called a well-tended garden of, of people, of politicians, of policymakers who could come to Amazon's aid in a time of crisis. And what this amounted to was the company tracked in a Salesforce database every interaction it had with policymakers. It targeted the very important policymakers or VIPs for yearly fundraising contacts, for yearly 
visits to Amazon sites for yearly meetings. And through this way, they systematized their influence campaign to have that well-tended garden. <laughs> so social media influencers, but now another way <laughs> to think about influencers. I loved all the photos that you had of the governors and the various lawmakers, like, you know, with all their happy faces and the Am Amazon warehouses. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, there they are. <laughs> okay, great. A showcase of how widespread this program is that a lot of Amazon's fiercest critics in Congress have been part of this program. So uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren was one person whom Amazon tried to influence through this Watering the Flowers campaign. The same goes for uh, Senator Chuck Grassley. And you know, we reached out to uh, Senator Grassley, Grassley's office about this, and the senator had actually just introduced a bill that was targeted at companies like Amazon, trying to stop them from, uh, you know, favoring products on platforms that they control. And that's, you know, the senator said it, this program hadn't influenced him. That's that's why he introduced that law that Amazon might not like. But clearly, from the scope of this, you can see that uh, there has been some impact. Now, what about any policies as far as Amazon creating jobs? I mean, that always seems to be the big headline. Like, Amazon creates a new warehouse and 10,000 jobs are created. And then, of course, that's going to bolster the local economy and ways from uh, the laundromat to pizza to medical facilities and schools. And, I mean, you name it. I mean, it's going to have an impact on the local community. What did you see in your reporting as far as Amazon creating jobs and with the policies and the lawmakers and the lobbyists and things of that nature? Fascinating one because – Amazon told us, and they said very clearly, that they do not use jobs as legislative leverage. However, what we saw in our reporting was that it was a much more nuanced picture than that. So, for instance, in Illinois, there was this bill that Amazon and other tech companies disliked that basically would require consumer consent before apps on our smartphones can track our whereabouts, track geolocation. No, say that's not true. Okay. <laughs> you know, so so tech companies oppose this and Amazon had a, a manager email the chief of staff to then Governor Bruce Rauner in Illinois, forwarding a letter from a coalition, from a, a trade group essentially, not from Amazon itself. But this letter, which Amazon passed along, said very clearly that if the state of Illinois proceeds with this. If, if the Illinois governor doesn't veto this bill, which had passed the legislature, then it's going to greatly threaten investment in the state and tech jobs going forward. And this was, I mean, this was something that came across um, all throughout our reporting and, you know, particularly with, um, you know, some of the reporting uh, we did with, uh, you know, former Amazon employees, um, which, you know, really just indicated that, that kind of this, this economic development, the, the fact you know, just the fact of the number of jobs that Amazon creates and, and how local those jobs can be. Like, you know, you were talking about sort of the, the, um, the num the photos that we had of, of sort of, you know, these, these politicians in, in, you know, sort of Amazon fulfillment centers. And I mean, I, I think that goes to, to this central point of, of, of economic development, which is that, you know, a lot of politicians have, one of these facilities in their district likely. And that's, that's, that's sort of a point of leverage that, um, that Amazon, 
you know, has. And, and, you know, you know, I think some of our reporting showed that, uh, you know, so, so Amazon actually gave uh, public policy staff this, these mobile apps where, you know, if they were going into a meeting with a uh, certain politician, they could they could quickly look up the number of Amazon employees in that person's district so that, it, you know, they'd, they'd have that kind of at their at their fingertips uh, just to sort of you know, drive home that message. Um, you know, and, and, you know, one person we talked to said that uh, this job creation was really kind of the fundamental bargaining chip of, of their their lobbying team. And so um, so it really kind of permeated everything. So with all this happening, I mean, if you're a small business, if we step back, uh, pretty hard to compete, right? <laughs> Almost impossible to compete with Amazon. Um, but what about if you're a consumer? I mean, Okay, is there is there anything that you can do, or is it or is it Amazon trying to get a hold of the controls before they come out with whatever that next big product is? So Amazon, because of this California law, now lets every consumer in the United States request an access to their Amazon data files, and you can request to delete some of this data piecemeal, say. If you have an Alexa device, you can tell Alexa to delete recordings, whether it's all of them or after 18 months of storage and so forth. But what's interesting is that to really delete all of your Amazon data, to get rid of everything that they have on you, you have to delete your account. And even then, there's actually some data that remains for legal purposes that Amazon must collect. So. Even it's like the Hotel California, that old song. You can check in, but you can never leave. Okay. Um, I'm sure the same thing's going on with Google and Apple, right? Right. So they are just like Amazon companies that depend on data. They, they approach data differently at times, and they are public about their different approaches, and they disagree with each other on this. But by and large, data is necessary for these companies. And if you are a consumer of Apple or Google products, you also, because of this California law, should be able to request your data. Okay, before we leave, is there a particular report that you found or a story that you found that you were yourself shocked that, wow, I couldn't believe that I was actually reading that? Well, one thing we thought was interesting was, uh, you know, we, so you know, several Reuters reporters requested their, um, you know, the data that Amazon collected um, from them, you know, on them, which was made possible by this uh, California privacy bill that Amazon had uh, opposed in the past. Um, but we had a, uh, we had sort of asked a few lawmakers if they, you know, might be interested in, uh, you know, requesting their own data. And there was a lawmaker in Virginia named uh, Ibrahim Samira who um, had opposed the bill in Virginia. And he requested his data and um, um, looked through it and, and we sort of re- reviewed it. And well, so, so there were sort of a number of things that he came across that um, he was very surprised that Amazon had. One of them was uh, he, he had an Alexa device, I, I think for maybe three days last year, he, he got it as a promotion and, you know, opened it and, uh, used it for a little bit and then said he got, um, kind of freaked out by the fact that it was recording and, and boxed it up and sent it back. But, um, <laughs> in those three days, um, Amazon, uh, you know, basically he, 
he didn't remember doing this, but um, he he must have connected his his iPhone to the Alexa because Amazon, you know, a year later uh, had more than one thousand contacts from his phone. So these were cell phone wow. cell phone numbers and email addresses of uh, basically everyone he's, he had ever known or made contact with. Um, so they still had uh, that which he. He didn't remember granting access to that. Amazon said, um, "You know, you, you obviously do have to grant access to this." Um, he didn't. He didn't. He said he didn't remember that. Um, and then also, uh, you know, he, there, there were sort of a, there were records of uh, basically his audiobook listening, um, and uh, and among the things that he listened to was uh, was the Quran. Um, and so, he. Uh, Delegate Samira, he, he was raised as a Muslim. Um, and I think, I think the fact that, uh, this company knew, you know, exactly when he was listening to the Quran and, and, you know, sort of which parts of the Quran that he was listening to, I, th- I think, um, made him uneasy. And he said it sort of reminded him of, of kind of the post nine 11, you know, surveillance of, of, uh, mosques and, and Muslim communities, um, you know, for, for, terrorism threats. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that was, was interesting about, about that was that we, we started looking into sort of, um, you you know, I think he, he was kind of just wondering aloud, you know, does, you know, what if this information might get shared with law enforcement? Um, and so we, we actually started, started looking at that and, um, Amazon hat does comply with, uh, subpoenas and warrants and, uh, you know, orders requesting data in, in some cases. And we found that um, for the three years ending in June 2020, uh, the company complied at least partially with 75% of subpoenas, search warrants, and other court orders uh, seeking data on U.S. customers. Um, and they fully complied with 38% of those requests. Um, wow. And since since June of last year, they uh, stopped sort of breaking out that data. They said it's because they expanded the report to be a global report and, you know, it took in data from outside of the U S but, um, anyway, that was, that was something we, we found interesting. So, So, you know, this, this Virginia lawmaker, his name was Samira. Is that right? Uh, Samira. Yeah. Samira. How did that change his stance after he found all this data about himself? I mean, after three days, that's remarkable. Well, yeah, I think I mean he had the bill had already passed by the time oh, we okay. talked to him about this because the bill the bill um, the bill passed very early you know the very beginning of this year it was signed into law in March, but um, but yeah you know we we had sort of followed up with him and you know had had you know talked to him about his views on the bill and you know I think I think he was he, he was opposed to as we say in the story he was he was skeptical of the fact that you know Amazon was was backing this bill in Virginia from the start. Um, but I think, yeah, I think really until he requested his data, he, um, I think a, he didn't really know that he, he could request the data. I, I think it's not something that a lot of people think to do. Um, you know, and then I think he was pretty surprised with just, just the level of, of detail. I mean, I think another thing that surprised him was, you know, that there was a record of every sort of search he had made on Amazon, yeah. Yeah. you know, for, for certain kinds of products. And I think, um, you know, I, I think he was surprised to see that as well. Well, he, you know, and I was surprised at some of the searches that certain members in my household are obviously asking Alexa. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I wonder which person asked Alexa what that was, you know, type of thing. And so, uh, you know, thanks, guys, for your reporting. It 
was truly, truly enlightening for me, and I know it will be for our listeners. And uh, we're going to post a link out to the story. And um, please keep us posted and keep us uh, updated on anything else that happens in this regard. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, isn't that something? Now, if you have a few moments, I strongly, strongly encourage you to read the entire Reuters piece. Okay, it's going to pop up if you search for the title of the article. The title is Amazon Wages Secret War on Americans' Privacy Document Show. Once again, let me give you that title. Amazon Wages Secret War on Americans' Privacy Document Show. Now, if in case you want to get a copy of your Amazon data, it's really easy to do. You just sign it to your Amazon account and then search for request your personal information. It's going to give you all sorts of reasons why you don't need it. Just go ahead and get it. Now, it may take up to 10 days for you to receive the link in your email. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. And just a quick reminder, if you don't already get our current newsletter, it's a great newsletter. It comes out twice a week and you're updated in five minutes or less on all things tech. You can sign up right now. Head over to thecurrentnewsletter.com. That's T-H-E, currentnewsletter.com. We'd also love for you to rate, review, and follow our podcast. A few kind words goes a long way. I'm Kim Commando. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate your support of our programming.